Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO. C4SO is a national diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the C4SO podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternke, and we are in the middle of a mini-series on church planting right now on the podcast. Last week, we talked with Bishop Todd about C4SO's vision for church planning, and also we talked with uh, the Reverend Brad Swopes, who is C4SO's Director of Church Planting, and he told us a bit more about the practicalities of church planting in C4SO, including a new residency program uh, we have starting and an upcoming church planter boot camp in November. Um, and now we're going to focus a bit on just what church planting is really like. And um, this first episode of that series is focusing on the very early stages of planting. This is pre-gathering, uh, pre-launch, so to speak. Uh, and our guests today are in those very early stages, and we're eager to hear from them how things are going and what they're learning. So James and Happy Madden are planting in the Medical District in Dallas, Texas, as St. Luke Medical District. James and Happy, welcome to the C4SO podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Yes. Uh, and Travis Lowe, uh, it, along with his wife, Mickey, uh, are planting in Tampa, they're going to be planting Trinity Anglican Church in the spring of 2022. Uh, they just had a baby, and so Mickey's unable to join us today uh, for the podcast, but Travis is here. Travis, welcome to the C4SO podcast. Thanks, Ben. Glad to be here. Yes. Yeah, it's great to have you guys. Great to meet you. Uh, eager to hear from you. Um, first of all, maybe just give us um, a brief spiritual history and ministry history and how you found yourself uh, planting in C4SO. James and Happy, you guys want to start? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so Happy and I are both from Dallas, both grew up in the church. Uh, I grew up in the Presbyterian church and uh, I can let Happy speak for herself, but I um, was involved with the campus ministry in Virginia. I went to Washington and Lee University, so did Happy, uh, called Reform University Fellowship. And uh, that is where you know, growing up in the church, became a Christian, I believe, at a young age, but where the Holy Spirit really began to take root, and I began to get the gospel, was in college. Uh, from then on, I went and worked at Wake Forest University with RUF, uh, came back to Dallas, went to a place called Redeemer Seminary, uh, worked at Park City's Presbyterian Church in children's ministry, and then for the past seven years, since 2014, I've been working with RUF. Uh, at Southern Methodist University, SMU in Dallas. So a lot of campus ministry experience, um, deeply uh, gospel-centered and sort of missional, and now, you know, transitioning into the Anglican world. Yeah, and my path's a little different. I grew up here in Dallas in the Methodist Church and went to an Episcopal school, so um, came to know a lot of liturgy at a very young age and um, also really heard the gospel for the first time and understood it on a heart level in college. 
um, through the same campus ministry, Reform University Fellowship. Uh, James and I both went to Washington and Lee, and we were actually set up by our campus minister and his wife. So we have a lot of love for RUF. Um, and then after graduation, I moved to Washington, D.C. and attended a church plant um, called Church of the Advent, which is an Anglican church and loved it very much. It felt like a family and um, just fell in love with the Anglican tradition and even the, the feel and participation of being in a church plant. Um, then moved back to Dallas in 2017 and have been kind of church hopping kind of PCA, kind of visiting other churches ever since. Yeah, very good. What, um, what, what brought you then into the world of church planting? What, what made you uh, decide you wanted to, to plant a church? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that what we're doing? Uh, who, who knows what, uh, who knows who knows what comes over uh, us, right? You know, I, you know it, it's something that Happy and I have just always been kind of excited about. Uh, hmm. I love seeing things go from zero to one, uh, doing campus ministry from a long time. is very church plant light and that you're always meeting new people and kind of restarting something. Uh, you're involved in so many different aspects of the church of the ministry life. And I just love that. Um, and so because of that and just seeing, really uh, in Dallas, this sort of need in a part of the city that doesn't have really a lot of churches. It was sort of this combination of Happy and I really wanted to plant a church someday, but then the occasion presented itself, part of the city that doesn't have churches, and we uh, said, I think this is the time to kind of go for it. That's great. Uh, appreciate hearing that. Travis, how about you and Mickey? What uh, what was your history here in your spiritual history, your ministry history, and what how do you find yourself uh, planting in C4SO? Yeah, so um, I was raised in the Episcopal Church uh, probably until early middle school. I, I can never quite remember when my family stepped out of the Episcopal Church, but uh, actually grew up hating it hating the liturgy, hating, uh, smells, bells, uh, just cause I didn't understand it. It was never really explained to me. And, uh, I, I don't think, uh, it was necessarily bad. I just didn't, I didn't get it. Um, and so my dad had kind of a spiritual awakening right around uh, when I was in middle school. Uh, he had been raised Southern Baptist and had, uh, converted to Episcopalianism. I don't even know if that's a word, uh, when he married my mom. Uh, and so he, basically told my mom, I, I want to go to a church where things make sense and I don't understand any of this. And so uh, we moved to a more evangelical kind of non-denominational church, uh, which is really where my faith took root. Uh, it's the church that I work at today. Um, have been there probably 16, 17 years at this point. Uh, have been on staff there in some capacity since I was like 16 years old. Uh, I taught guitar lessons in the, the music school. Uh, moved on up to janitor uh, and was the janitor there all through college. Um, and then I was the student ministry intern and then I was the college ministry intern. And then I became the college ministry pastor, which I did for about six years. Uh, so similar to James and Happy's story, working with university students and uh, helping them navigate the questions that come and arise as they're uh, studying uh, at a deeper level. Um, and then uh, actually made the jump from that to the teaching pastor, which is the role that I serve in now. Uh, but during that time was also pursuing a seminary 
degree. And uh, as I kind of studied church history and studied the church fathers, I began to realize that all the stuff I didn't like in my upbringing was actually really beautiful, uh, really profound. And if somebody had just explained it to me, I think I would have fallen in love with it. Um, and so I felt myself moving back towards uh, Anglicanism and the, the great tradition really throughout college and throughout uh, seminary, which I'm about to wrap up in the next couple months. Uh, and so that, that's kind of my, my journey back towards Anglicanism. My, my wife is kind of a different story. Um, she is from Buenos Aires, Argentina, and her family actually moved here when she was five years old to serve as church planters with the Assemblies of God. Um, so the whole reason she's in Florida is uh, they came here to plant a church. Hmm. Um, and so uh, she was raised in, in a Pentecostal background, uh, had a lot of really great experiences there. Uh, both of her parents, most of her family are Assemblies of God ministers and clergy. Um, but at, at, a, at a point in uh, their time with the Assemblies, they decided to step out of full-time ministry and they found themselves at the church that we met at, which is the church I work at. And so uh, I've known Mickey for a long, long time uh, and began dating uh, about three years ago, got married about two years ago, We're coming up on our two-year anniversary at the end of this month. Um, and throughout kind of our relationship, we were having this conversation about our different backgrounds um, mm -hmm. because I was, uh, this is so unromantic, but like our second date was to an Episcopal church. Uh, she was, she was getting ready to leave the country Depending on your definition of romantic. I mean, sure. I don't know. Well, so she was getting ready to leave the country because she was uh, doing an intensive semester of theology back in Argentina. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were running out of time. And I was like, hey, I really want to hang out. Um, I have to go return some library books to school. And there's this really pretty, <laughs> pretty church. Do you want to go go to church with me? Um, and so we, uh, yeah, so we went to this Episcopal church and we're just talking about our backgrounds. And uh, uh, she, had not really been exposed to liturgy before growing up in the assemblies, um, but she longed for it. She found herself kind of drawn towards uh, the structure and the rhythms of liturgy. And uh, I valued uh, the best of the Pentecostal tradition, just the fervency of worship, uh, the belief that, that God actually still does the miraculous and the spirit still moves. And we started having conversations about how cool would it be to see these these different traditions, the evangelical church we're at that we love, the liturgical church I grew up in and the Pentecostal tradition that she grew up in, what would it look like to bring these things together? Um, we didn't know there was a name for that. Uh, and so uh, we, on our honeymoon, uh, were in Atlanta and visited Chris McDaniel's church, uh, Trinity yeah. mm -hmm. in Atlanta and uh, said to ourselves, this is exactly what we've been talking about. This is a, hmm. this is a church that embodies the best of kind of the three streams that we've grown up in um, and just started to pray like, God, what would it look like for somebody to plant something like this in Tampa? What would it look like to see a church like this in our city? And always thought it would be somebody else who would do it. Uh, and so we're praying for God to send somebody to start a church like that. Um, but mm -hmm. probably a, a year or so into our relationship just felt like God was saying, you're the people. Um, and so okay. I've been following C4SO uh, for a while. And that's when we decided to reach out and start the process. Very good. Uh, appreciate hearing that, uh, story. Um, what let's get, let's get down to nuts and bolts here for a little bit. Um, and Travis, maybe we can start with you, but describe the kinds of things you're doing right now. Um, I think sometimes, at least for me, before I, I, I've planted a couple churches and before I planted a church, this, this phase of things was sort of this mythical, like 
what happens? Like, what do you actually do <laughs> yeah. uh, before you're actually meeting uh, for Sunday worship? You know, before you have a gathering that's regular and public, um, what do you actually do? So I, I'd love to hear, if you, if you don't mind sharing, like, how are you funded right now? How are you paying the bills? What do you <laughs> actually spend your time doing? Um, and what will be the indicators to you that it's time to move on to the next phase? What, you, when, what, do, what do you think that'll look like? Yeah. Um, so my situation is a little bit unique in that um, Mickey and I are both, well, we're both on staff at uh, the church that we met at, uh, which is an awesome uh, non-denominational evangelical okay. church. So I still serve as the teaching pastor there. Uh, okay. They have graciously allowed me to take some of my hours and use them towards church planting. Okay. Uh, M- Mickey served as the worship coordinator there until basically our son was born a week ago. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations. So, um, so that's that's how we've been able to pay the bills. Um, okay. But we're moving towards the point where we'll be stepping out of that in January. Mm-hmm. And so uh, okay. a lot of our time right now has been spent fundraising uh, and trying to okay. line up support. Um and that has uh, basically come in the form of having a lot of cups of coffee with people. <laughs> yes. I, uh, I have probably burned out my, my adrenal glands drinking coffee in the last three months. Um, yeah, we have, we've had, uh, gosh, more meetings and conversations than I can count. Uh, just sharing the vision of our church and asking people to pray about whether God would call them to uh, support us financially as we get on our feet and kind of get things established. Um, but it's been really sweet. You know, it hasn't been a a burden. It hasn't been arduous at all. It's been great to be able to sit across from people and get to know them and just, uh, invite them to participate in what we sense that God's doing. Um, Mm -hmm. so a a huge chunk of our time has been, has been that, um, and not, not just raising support, but asking people, Hey, would you pray about joining us in this work and, uh, making Trinity your home church and kind of stepping into this with us. All right. So lots of cups of coffee, uh-huh. uh, lots of raising uh, money, but also interest in casting vision and, and trying to uh, see who's called to participate with you. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh, James and Happy, how about how about you guys? What, um, there's lots of different ways to, you know, uh, to, to do all of this. So how are you guys funded and what do you spend your time doing now? And what what are you looking for that will indicate to you that it's time to move on to the next phase? I mean, these are <laughs> great questions. Uh, I, we are largely, so just out of my experience with campus ministry, um, I've been in the fundraising mode for the past seven years. Um, okay. And so in some ways I, I finished my responsibilities there at the end of May. And so okay. starting in June, um, well, I kind of started on this new venture and started fundraising and we were uh, fortunate in the sense that we have uh, some friends and relationships around here since we're both from here uh, mm-hmm. of people who had already indicated that they would be interested in supporting us. And so this is, you know, I guess there's pros and cons of planting in your hometown. Um, but sure. uh, in this, yeah. in this sense, we had a, a number of people who said like, Hey, we would love to consider joining this and supporting this from day one, which really, uh, was helpful because we're kind of a an odd mutt, I think, kind of coming into C4SO and questions of funding. We don't have a sending mm. church. Uh, okay. What we really have is a group of people. I, My wife and I started an outdoor service during COVID pandemic season, mm. kind of as just okay. a way for people to gather in a socially distanced way. That, I think, gave people a taste of what 
uh, a church plant could do um, huh. or what it would look like. So it was a bit of, a, okay. I don't know, like a, tr- a preview trial run, like a taste yeah, and see. Yeah, yeah. And, and so out of that, then we started, um, like Travis said so well, using the word adrenal gland too. That was great. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a lot of meals and coffees and just trying to tell a story. Uh, right. So we set up, just to get a little more nuts and bolts, we set a, a budget number, a high number uh, to try to aim for that would include, uh, you know, paying musicians, rent, office space, uh, myself, um, and then a, a staff person. And so okay. we've really been aiming at that and t- giving people that sort of big number, mm-hmm. um, but also knowing that we can do a lot. Uh, we can we can exist and make things work on a lot less if that makes sense. And so right yeah, now we're yeah. at about, you know, 60%, I would say mm-hmm. of our big number goal, which is okay. really encouraging. Uh, yeah. And so in this time, gosh, and that was a huge question. So uh, <laughs> we're very fortunate and that we have a, a worship location that's really a mile or less from the heart of the medical district uh, in an old church where we're able to rent space. Okay. Um, and, and so now we've been in the midst of, it's kind of, all it's everything is going at the same time. Uh, we're having sort of a cent, we're calling them St. Luke essentials, kind of a gathering things on Sunday afternoons. We had an outdoor okay. concert fundraising, doing ordination stuff. Um, okay. and, uh, you know, it's a million, a million plates are spinning. I'll just say that. And okay. I'll pause there. Yeah. 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 Great. And so, um, it, it sounds like there is a group of people that, uh, have begun to gather, um, and it's, it's more for this St. Luke essentials, you know, kind of class discipleship kind of thing. I'm, I'm sort of guessing here, but, um, and then this is unto that you're going to actually start meeting for worship in this space that you are, have already procured. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So it, we are in this position, uh, and it's, 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 it's a long story that I won't get into, but more or less a, an old church was, uh, purchased where we're meeting, um, by a friend and converted it into a 501c3. That's our, a sort of church planting incubator and community oh. meeting space. Okay. Uh, there are a lot of recovery groups. Um, oh, cool. There are some, uh, an adult special needs thing that meets here. There's a little Montessori school. It's this real estuary hodgepodge thing, as well as some small church groups. And so, um, okay. so we've been sort of preparing to meet out there and I, we actually even office here. So, okay. um, and, uh, so I, I'm speaking a lot because, uh, happy had to step out and, um, take care of, <laughs> of our firstborn, AKA our dog. And so yes, uh, yes, back now, yes. uh, and yes. he would have a lot uh, better insight to weigh in on this. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, <clears throat> Travis and Mickey have a, uh, their first, their firstborn, uh, baby and you guys have a, a fur baby. sounds like. Oh yeah. Yeah, you could yeah. you could say that. <laughs> you could say that. Hey everybody, welcome again to the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight, where we highlight the specific ministry we're praying for this week in our diocesan cycle of prayer. We're actually doing a redo episode here uh, because I um, made a mistake. Um, I uh, mistyped, I must have mistyped something, and uh, I missed uh, the week uh, that Christ the King and uh, the Reverend Matt Brown were going to be with us. So that's what we're doing now. Um, We are praying for and hearing from 
Christ the King in Brooklyn, New York, led by the Reverend Matt Brown, and he is here to share briefly with us what's going on and how we can pray specifically for them. Matt, welcome again to the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight. Thank you much. I appreciate being invited on, Ben. Yes, yes, and I apologize for missing your specific week, but now you just get prayed for once via the email and again via the podcast, so maybe it's actually going to work out in your favor. Well, you know what? I'm in a bind, right? Because I'm a Christian, so what can I do but forgive you? Yeah, it's perfect. I have no choice. Yeah, that's great. That's the best thing about apologizing to Christians. <laughs> All right. Um, well, how about one thing that you are encouraged by right now that's happening at Christ the King? Yeah, you know, I'm encouraged by my congregation's overall desire to be together. Mm. Uh, COVID was uh, and continues to be a challenge in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. And it's safe to say that New York City had it as hard as anyone. Yeah. Um, we lived in fear of other people for a long time and listened yeah. to sirens wail 24 hours a day for months on end here. Mm. Um, and it's hard to kind of deprogram ourselves from that fear of others. So I'm proud of my congregation because they're making a lot of effort to be together on a regular basis. Um, Hmm. And not just for in-person worship on Sundays, but for fellowship after the service, for parties in the park, and now even gatherings in one another's homes. Hmm. So I think think people are desperate to reconnect. They're hungry for that human connection. And our congregation is doing I think a great job at providing um, opportunities for other members of the congregation as well as our neighbors uh, Mm. to, to actually reconnect at least once a month. We buy lots of food and gather in front of the church or in a park nearby and welcome any of our neighbors who want to join us. Um, Mm. And we're going to do it again on Halloween, which Mm. uh, is awesome this year because it actually falls on a Sunday. Yes. Uh, yes. and so we've ordered a bunch of little bags. We're going to hand out candy bags, trick or treaters and offer people some homemade chili and adult beverages. It's going to be wonderful. Great. Wonderful. That sounds great. I might uh, see if I can fly in yeah. to Brooklyn on Halloween. That sounds wonderful. Come on up, man. It's a big celebration. <laughs> um, that's wonderful to hear. What's, uh, how about conversely a challenge that you guys are facing right now that you want on voice? You know, I, I, our biggest challenge is also, I think, our biggest opportunity. We we are trying to figure out how to reach, how to serve, how to minister to the more than 40,000 college students uh, mm. who live and attend classes within a mile of our worship space. Wow. Um, I'm a bivocational pastor and a bunch of other, you know, our, our all of our staff people are part-time. Um which I think is a great thing. I'm not complaining about that at all, but it means that everybody kind of has a limited amount of bandwidth to be reaching out to college students. Yeah. And as we all know, reaching college students requires some pretty flexible hours. <laughs> um, so, you know, since the spring, we've been looking to hire a part-time campus ministry director okay. and, uh, and honestly, we we have not had uh, what I would consider a great fit yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so rather than hiring um, the wrong candidate or maybe the right candidate at the wrong time, uh, we've decided to kind of uh, just be patient here. But that meant that we missed the opportunity to kind of really put on a big push when all the students returned to class this fall. And that's yeah. that's yeah. disappointing. Um, yeah. And so that's a challenge for us. And I, I would like to be able to 
address that going forward. So, mm. Okay. Um, well, thanks for sharing that. In light of all of this, how can we pray for you and for Christ the King right now? Uh, I think you can continue to pray that we would be able to really um, find new and creative opportunities uh, for for reaching our neighbors and mm. actually kind of promoting the common good in a lot of yeah. different ways. Yeah. And and I think that the opportunities that we've been given uh, really have not been as created or orchestrated by us as they mm. have just been given to us by God. Um, you know, right near our church is a new, very exclusive assisted living facility mm. whose members had quite notable jobs throughout their lives, academics and politicians and financiers, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I met the director over the summer and offered to be available to the residents if need be. And, uh, and they asked me if I would come in on a regular basis and speak to the residents. And I agreed. So once a month, I lead a discussion in their library over cocktails called religion on the rocks. And we oh. discuss a whole bunch of really fun topics. And, uh, yeah. and as you would guess, it gets a little, uh, you know, it gets a little crazy in there. And not everybody sees to eye to eye. And, uh, and I, I had imagine. somebody, I had one of the residents storm out of the meeting last, oh, last month, okay. oh, uh, very real. upset at, uh, at his fellow, um, at his, uh, fellow members of the discussion. So wow. okay. you could be praying that I am able to navigate that discussion. I don't okay. think, I don't think there are any, uh, people who have been coming. There's probably a couple dozen who've been coming to that hmm. and none of them, are really churchgoers. Okay. Um, a lot of them okay. are agnostics, atheists, yeah. uh, some raised Jewish, others Buddhists. Uh, so it's really fun. Um, that is fun. Yeah. But yeah, I'd, I, you could pray that we could have more inroads like that into our yeah. community. Yeah, that's brilliant. I appreciate you hearing, uh, sharing about that. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for joining us, Matt. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, it was great to, great to be with you again. Thanks for the uh, invite. Yeah. Listeners, if you'd like to find out more about Christ the King or to contribute to their work or maybe apply for a job, please check out the link in the show notes. (laughs) Matt, thanks again. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Welcome again to the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight, where we highlight the specific ministry we're praying for this week in our diocesan cycle of prayer. And this week we're praying for Trinity Canton Church in Manhattan, Kansas. And uh, the folks who've joined us today to share briefly about what's going on right now and how we can pray for them are Greg Dillon, who is the church warden and director of intercessory prayer, and the Reverend Justin Kastner, uh, who is the rector at Trinity Canton, and who also was dubbed Turbo. That was his breakdancing da- break nickname, which is something I just learned. So, Oh, dear. Good to have you guys with us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, as we normally do, what's one thing that you're encouraged by right now that's happening at Trinity Canton Church? Well, as you mentioned, I serve at Trinity Canton Church as both the church warden and the director of intercessory prayer. We're encouraged by unity in prayer, even across the languages and countries that are affected Mm. by the pandemic that we're in. Mm. In addition to regularly praying the 24-7 prayers, Pete Gregg's coronavirus prayer, and we've been doing that since March of 2020, 
we were able to pray together in a unique way at our spring 2021 outdoor Easter gathering. We had members from a variety of nations and backgrounds that would pray segments of the prayer in five different languages. And then our members took turns praying in their own languages and everyone followed along using an English translation. Hmm. That's wonderful. Um, what's conversely a challenge that you guys are facing right now? While we give thanks for God's faithfulness in the handful of sort of parent children families uh, in our church, um, as pastor, I, I certainly long for more opportunities to connect with and serve um, our whole families, including children and youth. Uh, Trinity Canton was birthed out of Alpha, and we have a pretty robust track record of helping youth with Alpha uh, in recent years. Um, but but there's really, a I think, a need to have more uh, children's programming and, and you know, favor with, with children and families uh, than we ever have. So that's a need. Um, so if anyone's listening to this and they're hearing God calling them to move to Manhattan and uh, <laughs> develop a high-octane children's ministry, please uh, get my details. Very good. In light of all of this, uh, how can we be praying for um, y'all? Well, we've actually have uh, four requests. First of all, just to pray for protection for currently we're meeting outdoors. And then in November, we're going to be meeting indoors uh, in our public worship gatherings at our uh, local university's chapel. And then second, we would just ask for uh, God's um, ongoing impact through what we call our COX groups, uh, lowercase c, churches of two, three, four. Uh, it's our uh, small group um, methodology that Pat and Susan Schneider's uh, staff members with TC have pioneered, where we do, uh, we practice rhythms of attention. There's more info on that on our website, but we pray for our COX groups. And then third, we pray for the impact and the growth of our uh, benevolence account that we set up this year, that we would be able to uh, uh, locate and reach and help people that are in need. And then finally, uh, one of our parishioners, uh, Bridget, and I have been uh, doing a video podcast this uh, during ordinary time. Uh, emphasizing biblical archaeology and scripture memorization. So we would pray that um, that people would be impacted by that and they would uh, fall in love with God's word again. Awesome. Thanks for sharing all that with us, uh, Justin and Greg. And um, thanks for being on the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight with us. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Friends, if you would like to learn more about Trinity Canton Church or to contribute to their work, please check out the link in the show notes. Uh, what are some of the unique challenges and opportunities of, of kind of being where you guys are? You, I mean, happy or, uh, James, you already mentioned that um, this is your hometown. So that that's an interesting, um, you know, uh, that's an interesting aspect of this. But uh, what are what are some of the as you think about planting in the medical district in Dallas? What are the unique challenges and opportunities that come to mind for you? I would say one of the biggest challenges that immediately comes to mind is 
the cultural Christianity that exists here in Dallas. Mm. So I've heard Dallas referred to as the buckle of the Bible belt, um, which I think is, is still fairly true. Um, there are, James might've already said this, but there are a million churches here in Dallas. And so yeah. it's almost the opposite problem that you would have in a very metropolitan, different part of the country. Um, mm-hmm. So one of our challenges, I think, is trying to get people to maybe step outside of what feels very comfortable of almost being like a consumer of Christianity rather than what a church plant requires, which is really full participation and all hands on deck. Um, and that's one of my favorite parts of church plants is that when you walk in the door, you kind of immediately are given a task to and an assignment to do and you're like part of the unpaid staff and it's amazing and you're also part of this family um so in dallas i would say i think that is a very big paradigm shift for a lot of people who grew up in a large church with thousands of congregants with a fully fueled youth program um a lot of churches have their own coffee shop and gymnasium and that is not what we're going to be providing right off the bat um, or ever. I, don't think, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to have it. We'll probably have like a water polo court and, you know, all the, <laughs> the shuffleboard. Nice and, yeah, we'll yeah. major on the majors, but definitely not a basketball. <laughs> Maybe squash. Squash has really taken off. Yeah, Dallas. right. Pickleball. Oh, pickleball. Lacrosse. Right. Yeah. Um, but I would say that's a big one. Also, just the medical district itself. A lot of people don't know that it's a neighborhood here. It is. It is the kind of southwestern corner of the city of Dallas. There are three major hospitals located there, UT Southwestern, Children's Medical Center, and Parkland Hospital. And so it is really this neighborhood where people go to get health care, a lot of times in in a time of crisis or emergency. Um, It is also a very industrial feel. So a lot of like warehouses are located there. An airport is very nearby. And... um, and lots of apartments. A lot of apartments and some nonprofits. So a lot of people kind of see it as this drive-through, not really dwell and reside and plant roots there kind of space. And we actually had um, a launch team meeting this past Sunday, and James posed the question to the group, like, how much time have you spent in the medical district and how much time have you spent thinking about the medical district? Um, out of about 20 people, I think I was the only one who's actually spent time there because uh, I worked at UT Southwestern for a few years. Okay. Um, yeah. And other people even admitted, you know, we haven't even really spent that much time thinking about this part of the city, but we want to. And so mm-hmm. it's very like fertile soil, I think, where people are starting to get excited about reaching and loving and just spending time in a new part of the city. Um, The final thing I'll say to kind of add on to the Dallas Bible Belt kind of imagery, um, James asked us as a group to just describe Dallas as if you're describing it to a friend who lives somewhere else. And my my quippy metaphor I came up with was Dallas is a $2,000 pair of cowboy boots. Because cowboy boots are meant to be functional working boots made for trudging through cow manure. Um, but Dallas people want them custom made and in colorful leather with fringe and they will pay $2,000 for them. And so we are gritty and resilient and can trudge through just about anything, but we want to look good and keep up appearances while doing it. And so those are kind of some of the tensions Mm. that we're wading through right now. Well, that's great. 
Yeah. That's super interesting. I'll stop. That's a, that's a great description. <laughs> Travis, how about you? Uh, you're planting in Tampa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You live in Tampa right now as well. Yeah. So yeah. planting in the same city you live in. Yeah. Yeah. How about the same question? What are the opportunities and challenges that you see planting in Tampa? Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. I would say that uh, Tampa is maybe not quite as Bible belty as Dallas would be necessarily. Um, hmm. Certainly you still have sort of the, the residue of cultural Christianity that is uh, it's, it's present here uh, because we're in the South. Um, but I would say Tampa is a much more spiritually apathetic place. Um, hmm. And the, uh, the cultural respectability of going to church or being considered a Christian um, it's, it's not nearly as high as it would be in other places. And so uh, one of the challenges we've found is that as we talk to our friends who are, are not believers about planting a church, um, the, the general response is, that's awesome. I'm happy for you. Uh, <laughs> that's cool that you'll have your own church. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so there's, um, but, but there's just a, a real contentment with not having any sort of participation in right. that. Um, yeah. even among people who would consider themselves Christians, I think the pandemic has done a number on our conception of the need to gather physically as God's people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of that is necessary because we haven't been able to gather physically. Um, right. But I think we're also battling the uh, the pandemic apathy of people who think you know just live stream your service and I'll I'll watch from from my couch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's another challenge that we're dealing with. Um, I would say yeah. as as a city, Tampa is uh, growing at a really really fast rate. Uh, but one of the challenges with that is that a lot of people are being priced out of their neighborhoods, um, and so there's a lot of turnover right now. I uh, I moved into a neighborhood called Seminole Heights about 10 years ago, which is uh, right right outside of the downtown area. And uh, when I moved into Seminole Heights, the houses in my neighborhood were about $170,000, $200,000. When we started looking to buy a home last year, those houses were half a million to a million dollars. And so it's just, it's just skyrocketing. And uh, I know there's kind of a flight out of the city and that uh, people just can't afford to live here. Um, like they could even two or three years ago. So that's definitely kind of a challenge um, in its own right. Uh, And then I guess I would say the the other kind of unique challenge that we're dealing with, because there's, you know, that's all churches are facing those issues. Um, But I would say uh, pretty much everybody we talk to says, what's Anglicanism? Uh, (laughs) So there's just a genuine, um, people just don't know what it is. So, you know, you put Mm -hmm. Trinity Anglican Church in your name and people just have no idea what you're talking about Um, Mm. and don't really have a sense of uh, what what we're after, which is why kind of casting that vision and uh, painting a picture for people has been so important. Um, <laughs> the folks on our core team uh, have, have joined the core team uh, in part because they trust us, you know, and have said mm-hmm. like, I've never been a part of an Anglican church, but uh, we believe in you guys. And we believe that God's calling you to, uh, to do this. Um, yeah. And and then there are a lot of people who are, are like, you know, we love you guys, but I don't want to be a part of this weirdo Anglican thing. Um, yeah. And, you know, are you going to wear robes and burn incense? And the answer is maybe. Right. <laughs> um, and so, right. uh, yeah. so that's been a challenge in and of Gotta itself. Got to be ready for it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I remember when we first planted, I, we, we got a lot of questions about like angels. It does have to do with angels. Do you guys worship <laughs> angels? Yeah. Like angelicalism or something? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
maybe I'll, I'll combine here this last question that I want to ask uh, uh, to both of uh, both you um, and uh, the Maddens. Um, but what's um, what for you? What is the most difficult thing about this stage of planting, and what is the most life giving thing about this stage of planting? What would you say, Travis? Yeah. Um, so I would say the most difficult thing about this stage of planting is that uh, we don't have anything tangible yet to sort of lay hold of. Um, It it still exists uh, mostly in our hearts and in our minds. Um, And Mm. so uh, there have been a number of nights uh, where I have lay awake uh, and this was before the baby. Now I'm awake because the baby's crying all night. <laughs> um, but there've been a number of nights where I've just sat in bed and been like, is anybody going to come to this? Or is this yeah, going to be me yeah. and my wife and my son and our six or seven friends who are all in? Yeah. Uh, Cause there's nothing right now. And so, right. Um, so I would say that's been the most difficult part is just uh, maintaining that confidence that you know, God has called us to this and he'll draw the people that he wants. Hmm. Um, I think the most life-giving part has been when you do see somebody who gets really excited about the vision of the mm. church. Um, because in many ways, that's sort of an answer to the the first set of anxieties. And so we've right. just got an awesome group of people on our core team uh, who, as we've kind of cast the vision for them, they're, they're sold out for it and they're excited. Um, we had coffee a couple of weeks ago uh, with someone who said, you know, I was raised in the Episcopal church and I left it for about 20 years and I have longed for an Anglican church, uh, Mm. to be a part of, and just hearing people who are excited about that, um, and feel like God's calling them to it is super, super encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Travis, um, James and happy. How about you guys? What's, what's the most difficult thing about being in this phase of church planning and what's the most life giving thing? Uh, well, I think, Gosh, I feel like I can echo a lot of what Travis so beautifully said. Uh, that was just that was just spot on. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. maybe I can even fill that out a little bit uh, in terms of I have this dual sense of every day. There's so many things that need to happen, and at the same time, it's like a lot of urgency and an absence of urgency because it's all very abstract because it hasn't happened yet, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah. And so it's kind of out in the horizon, but I know they need to happen eventually. And so um, ordering my days now in uh, being wise with time and really even um, not to like brown nose to Bishop Todd, but uh, you know, happy <laughs> Bishop. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love you. I'm we actually it. call him the Bish. I don't. Yeah. Do you mind if I adopt that? That's incredible. I haven't tried it in front of me. We've trademarked it, but feel free to adopt it. That's fine. Okay. okay with that. Um, and no, but uh, Happy read me this thing that he wrote um, just about the difference between striving and working and the paraphrase of just moving at the speed of grace and abiding in Jesus and without, you know, operating in the flesh of like, I can do this rather than operating in the spirit of saying this is the Lord's work. This is not this is not our thing. This is God's thing and we're going to be faithful and show up. And trying to live in that without freaking out or saying, okay, I'll take it from here, God. Um, it's just a constant invisible wrestle 
of uh, trusting and letting go, but and being responsible. I don't know. It's that it's that paradox. Um, and do you want to weigh in on that? And then I can talk about what's exciting, or we can talk about what's exciting. Um, I have a feeling our exciting answer might be similar, so I might just jump in. Um, I would say the hardest, one of the hardest parts and the most exciting part are different sides of the same coin. Um, James and I were kind of joking around the other night about how it's frustrating when sometimes we tell people we're planting a church and their immediate response is to kind of jump in and try to tell us what to do or provide solutions. Um, like for example, someone said, Oh, you're planting an Anglican church. Well, how are people going to have the book of common prayer? Do you have hymns in the pews? Is there a set apart fund for that? And I was like, sister, you are thinking like <laughs> six months ahead right now. Like that yeah, yeah. taken care of with yeah. three clicks on Amazon. We're trying like, to learn how to spell right. Anglican right now. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and I, I share that because the flip side of that is so many people are so excited to help and to show up and to use their giftings. And so that friend of mine who said that, like I need her logistical brain to help us order, okay, what should we be thinking about? How do we delegate? Who's going to take care of those things? And even friends with, gosh, musical gifts. We did an outdoor concert a few weeks ago as kind of a first fellowship informational gathering. And some of James's childhood friends showed up and were playing like 90s cover songs. And like members of my family showed up, your family, just people kind of came out of the woodworks to, to celebrate and to join in. And and other friends have said, like, I want to help out. I want to be in the worship team or I don't know, just different people you would least expect just catching a vision and getting excited and wanting to help is such, it's just such evidence of the Holy Spirit moving. And it's really touching to see. Yeah, that's great. That's, I would say that the thing that gets me most excited is, uh, and Travis alluded to this as well. It's like when people's eyes kind of light up when they see what it is that you're trying to do um and there's just nothing quite like it i mean it's the kind of thing that you never i never get sick of it i I think at heart i'm probably a a teacher and when you see that the light bulb come on and god is at work and it's just an incredible joy to try to facilitate an environment where the holy spirit and other people um are at work and you just kind of see people come alive and flourish and call them into something. There's just nothing like it. Uh, and so we, I just love that. And we get to do that all the time. That's great. Well, uh, happy James and Travis. Uh, thanks for spending time with us today. This has been really, uh, great illuminating reminds me of the, my, my early days, uh, planting making me a little bit nostalgic, uh, mm-hmm. and a little bit, and also a little bit happy that, uh, we're doing something like we're, you know, like, we're beyond that. So <laughs> anyway, something, something's happening. So I'm, I'm praying for you guys that, um, um, that God continues to lead and guide and provide, um, and that we've, we've got a, a couple new churches, um, planted here in the next few months and years. Um, what's, uh, I, just for our listeners, like, where can people find out more about, um, do you guys have websites yet? Uh, what, like, you know, if people are interested in supporting you perhaps, or just finding out more about uh, your churches, where can people go? Yeah. So, um, you can, uh, you can follow my wife and I and kind of our planting journey at our website. It's the Lowe's TPA 
com. Uh, some people run the letters together and read it as the lowest pa dot com. Um, so. <laughs> that's how I first. That's how I first read it. I was yeah. like, oh, that's kind of clever. Are they from Pennsylvania? The no. lowest. Yeah, yeah. No, T- TPA <laughs> is kind of the abbreviation for Tampa. So. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah, you can you can follow us there. There's a link if you would like to give to uh, our page on the C4SO uh, donation page. Uh, and then another great. great way is to follow us on Instagram, uh, Trinity Church TPA. <laughs> that would be a great way to okay. stay in touch. Great. We'll put those links in the show notes. James and Happy, how about you guys? Yeah, so I, I think that the best way to see what's going on would be our Instagram right now, right? And that's it. Uh, St. Luke Medical District, ST. Uh, Luke, and then Medical District. You'll see a, a beautifully designed logo there, uh, and you can see what we're doing. Uh, we are collecting donations uh, through the C4SO uh, Diocese website, and you can click through their um, their donate page, and there's a drop down, and there's an option to give to St. Luke Medical District. Uh, the other stuff website is uh, is in process, and so uh, for now, that's where I would direct people. Very good. Stay tuned then, right? Stay tuned. Yeah, very good. Well, thanks again, guys. Really appreciate you spending some time with us. This has been fun. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.